From 2003 to 2013, heroin overdose deaths in Indiana increased by nearly 5,000%. The Hoosier State ranks 16th highest in the country for all drug overdoses. Governor Mike Pence says a newly created drug task force will identify gaps in enforcement, treatment, and prevention and develop solutions for the state. The governor says his message to the task force is one of urgency. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, and today on Noon Edition, we'll discuss the new initiative with leaders from around the state. And we invite you to join the conversation right after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Giga City Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to be talking about Indiana's problems with drug abuse and addiction. Um, the governor this week um, has named a task force that's meant to fight against drug addiction in the state, uh, which has uh, been coming to the forefront in the form of a lot of uh, drug overdoses and the heavy use of heroin, also uh, problems with, uh, with just hepatitis C and HIV and a lot of other issues. So that's going to be our topic today. And we have three guests who are going to be joining us on the program. Uh, Linda Grove-Paul is here in the studio. She's Vice President for Recovery and Innovation at Centerstone, and she's also a member of a task force on prescription drug abuse that's uh, been organized by the Attorney General of the state. Mary Beth Bonaventura is going to be on the program with us. She's joining us uh, by phone. She's Director of the Indiana Department of Child Services and a member of the new drug task force that was put together by Governor Pence and State Senator Jim Merritt is uh, expected to join us here in a little bit. He's also a member of that task force. If you want to give us a call and join the program at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the, of the local calling area. And you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So I, we have uh, Mary Beth on the phone. I, nope, not not quite yet. So Linda's here in the studio, <laughs> and Mary Catherine's here in the studio. We'll be we'll be joined by our other guests here in just a minute. So this uh, this issue has really come raging to the forefront here in the last few months. Uh, Scott County, I mm -hmm. think, really mm -hmm. put this all on the map. So. Mm -hmm. um, Linda, I wanted you to, to talk uh, first about the task force that you're involved with, with the Attorney General. How long have you been right. involved with that, and, and what uh, what's your role? Well, I've been involved in the task force for over a year. Um, I think the you know the task force was put together by the Attorney General when he first came to the office because he realized what an, a huge issue uh, prescription drug abuse uh, was. Um, and I think he um, really wanted to um, take a, a very aggressive step um, and recognize the power of his office and the power of pulling together um, a um, unified group, um, much like the, the governor's task force, where uh, you have to really look at, um, oftentimes we get really siloed in our approaches. Um, and you know you really need to look at not just treatment providers, but you need to be looking at law enforcement. Um, you need to be looking at prevention. We need to be talking in our schools. Um, it's just a whole Whole myriad of um, areas where we need to be working together. Um, pharmacists um, is an example. Uh, definitely uh, physicians overprescribing was a huge issue with the mm -hmm. pill mills. Um, and I think the, the Attorney General's office and that state level executive branch um, really has a huge uh, opportunity to effectuate change. So I think that was, I think that was, um, you know, his, his reasoning behind that. But I think if I could go to talk 
about the problem mm-hmm, sure. um, because this is not uh, a new problem. I think this is just a problem that has really come to the surface. Um, and I, a lot of people in Scott County would say that. People would say that in, in all of our counties. Um, Centerstone is in 20 different counties. So, um, you know, we have, have offices um, in 17 of those 20 counties, many of which are very rural um, and have compositions very much like Scott County. Um, and, you know, one of the Pew uh, Foundation actually recently just did a study that showed that in terms of treatment uh, resources, Indiana is ranked uh, the fourth lowest in terms of the number of treatment resources that are available uh, throughout the country. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things I want to point out about that is, you know, people are saying, oh my gosh, that's really terrible. Um, but I think if we want to contextualize that, that really is about the fact that until you know March of this year, uh, 90% of our clients, my clients that had a substance use disorder, had no insurance. Um, and so mm-hmm. there really have been absolutely no resources to pay for services for our clientele. And that isn't necessarily the case with many of those other states. So the lack of you know deinstitutional um, a lot of criminalization. That's part of the reason for retooling the criminal code. As we talk about, I'm sure uh, we'll be talking about you know, House Bill 1006, um, you know, putting people uh, back into our communities. We'll talk some about the forensic treatment fund, some resources that are going to come with that, the HIP expansion. There are some resources that are coming into our, our communities to, to hopefully combat this problem, um, but this problem hasn't really occurred in a vacuum. It's been a long time coming, um, and it's really just coming to the attention at this point because we have gone well beyond a tipping point. Just real quickly, so people know we've referenced Centerstone several times. Tell us what Centerstone is. Is it for-profit, not-for-profit? What work do you do? Okay, Centerstone is a not-for-profit community mental health center, um, and it is headquartered in Bloomington, Indiana, um, and as I said, we have um, offices in uh, 18 different counties um, that go um, pretty much all the way south to uh, Scott Clark County, um, and we're over in Columbus, and then we go up to Richmond, over to Richmond. So we're, we're pretty much all over. And we have a, we're working with the mental health court in Marion County. That actually is part of a pilot project. I did a lot of testifying with the legislature last year. Um, and that's that was actually part of Senate Bill uh, 235, um, mm-hmm. which uh, had a lot to do with some, some of the language in the Forensic Treatment Fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so. okay. Well, Mary Beth Bonaventura is on the phone with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. So she is the director of the Indiana Department of Child Services and a member of the governor's new drug task force. So I guess my first question to you is, you know, what are your what are your hopes and expectations for the task force? Uh, well, I'm very hopeful with the task force. Thank you for asking. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is uh, first of its kind in the state of Indiana and in that this is a task force that will be centered um, really with three goals in mind, or three ideas um, to really tackle, which is enforcement, um, treatment, and prevention. So those are our three uh, primary focuses. And, um, you know, for the first time, I've been on other task forces, I'll have to confess, after being in this business for a long, long time. And um, what I really um, am hopeful about this one is that uh, first of all, the commitment by the governor, um, he's, he attended the first five roundtables, which is probably unprecedented, um, and is very engaged. And um, and we're going into the communities instead of having people come to Indianapolis. I'm from Lake County, so, you know, I was always one of those traveling down I-65, mm-hmm. you know, to get here for meetings, and sometimes you can't, you know, make it, so you, your voice isn't heard. Uh, but this is a little bit different in that it's very, very collaborative with um, all, um, you know, disciplines that deal with this um, issue and we're going into the communities to hear what the issues are in each community recognizing that you know everybody is a little bit different you know we all you know drug addiction is addiction but everyone's community has um, a little bit different nuance uh, depending on where you are in the state Uh, so we're going out to the communities to hear what the uh, needs are what the gaps and services are and how uh, we can build prevention and things of that nature. So I'm very hopeful about it and excited. Okay. So uh, can you give us uh, just uh, 
um, something about the structure of the committee. You know, when are you? When is your next your next meeting? How often do you expect to meet? The next meeting is well, we're going to meet um, at least that I know of three more times, and uh, the first one is going to be oh gosh, it's in September. I think it's September sixteenth, and it's here in Marion County. Mm-hmm. And then the, the then there's a meeting uh, October fifteenth, I believe. It is. That, it, okay, mm-hmm. and that's in, in uh, Evansville. Okay. And then there's a third one, and it's in South Bend, I'm pretty sure. And I'm okay. looking around the room here. It's, it's to November tell me 19th. Okay. It's the 19th, uh, October 19th, um, and that will be in, um, uh, as I said, South Bend. Okay. So right now those are there are three next meetings that we have scheduled. Okay, and we're also being joined by Senator Jim Merritt. Senator Merritt. Hey, Bob. Hey, thanks for being here. You've been a frequent guest on the show. We appreciate your coming back. Um, Thank you. So, you know, same question to you. You're also a member of this the, the task force, and um, I think that uh, our last speaker, Mary Beth, had talked a little bit about why she thinks that it'll be different from maybe some other task forces, and I guess that's that's sort of the question. What are your hopes and, and um, you know, your projection for what's going to happen, and, you know, why uh, is this And really I think different? goals, yeah, you know, what goals, are the specific right. goals that you guys mm-hmm. hope to come away with? <clears throat> Well, so first of all, uh, thank you very much for having me on. Mary Marianne's exactly right with everything she said. I do believe I do believe that that our first charge is foundational in meaning providing hope for those who are struggling with this illness, um, and and almost like leprosy of yesteryear, pulling um, folks that are in a shadow culture back into life as we know it and uh, i think that is very very important i always go whenever i talk about this i talk about hashtag remove the stigma mm-hmm. and uh and also we need to bring people in that have lost uh, children and, and friends and and allow them to use their grief for good and and so we we want to reach out to hoosiers that are uh their family life has been wrecked their community, in some regards, is really in, in tatters, and, um, and and recognizing that we have an epidemic here that we need to do something about. Mm-hmm. And, and and there are three different three different buckets, and and uh, bucket is probably not the correct term. Three different um, lanes that we're in here is those that are in uh, in um, um, in Amer- Indiana life who are suffering those that might have been caught with possession, and those that are in uh, incarceration, and, and lending a hand to each and every one in, re- in regards to recovery. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you know, you've been involved in public life for quite a while, and, and, and again, I think this, you know, this has become sort of an epidemic, but as you know, Linda Grove Paul, our, our other guest here, said, it's been, it's been an issue in Indiana for, for quite some time. What do you think got us to this point where, where it's become such a high priority? Well, I think it's catalytic uh, with, with, with Scott County and other counties of what they have been uh, suffering through. I believe that uh, this is a national issue, and so every community probably in our country is, is um, um, confounded, confronted with this uh, disease, and and I believe that probably the catalyst was that that uh, uh, a lot of constituents, Hoosier constituents, have been talking to the governor and talking to us, and also our systems are, are uh, relatively. Marianne can speak to this more uh, succinctly and better than I can, but I think our systems, our government systems, are being overwhelmed. Our our jails. When you hear the sheriff of Marion County talk about how many individuals he has in his uh, jail that are uh, in need of uh, uh, mental health uh, assistance. And, and so it's, um, it's, a, it's a large, large uh, conundrum that, that uh, this comprehensive approach is really the only way that we were going to get our arms around it. We actually have all the tools to... Um, to uh, strike a charge at this challenge. The only tool that we don't do as well as I believe we should do uh, is awareness. But we have tools for recovery. We have tools for intervention. We have tools here. Uh, we have a lot of good people in the system. Uh, we, just, uh, we just have to knock down silos and government work together. And uh, I'm excited about it. And, 
Mary, uh, Mary knows um, I'm pretty pumped up about this because I see an opportunity for service. Senator Meredith, a few weeks ago we had the folks from Scott County on and <clears throat> we talked about this issue at length. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they talked about a, a lack of economic ec- opportunities in Scott County and a, a general feeling of hopelessness um, that they felt um, might have been the root cause for why many people are turning to opiates and, and other um, drug abuse. And I'm wondering if this task force is going to, you mentioned recovery and intervention. Are you looking at the root causes for, um, you know, stopping this at its, at its uh, genesis, if you will? I think this is going to be a widespread study, and, and we will try to find new ways for recovery. Uh, just the idea of someone going through de- detox in seven to ten days is is overwhelming to some addicts. But uh, we we do in fact want to get to the root cause. And I I was listening a little earlier, and one of those is actually prescriptions and uh, understanding that uh, we need a better and more robust take back. We need uh, uh, doctors to be a little bit more responsible. And and this. This has this uh, disease, this epidemic we have, as I say, has no father. I think this is many, many, many um, uh, factors that go in into this, and it's it's not anything. It it, it has it doesn't really have anything to do with um, your your walk in life financially. Poor, working poor, uh, those that are better off financially. Um, it, it, it there's nothing to do with. Um, African-American versus Caucasian, it is everyone, young and old, and 67-year-olds and and eighth graders. And so it is uh, widespread and something that uh, this task force is is built for, and and, uh, I'm looking forward to getting out into the communities and hearing from people in South Bend and, and other places around the state. You're listening to Noon Edition, and uh, this week we're talking about Governor Mike Pence's new the, the task force that he's established by executive order that calls for a collaborative approach to addressing the substance abuse issues and everything that's been going along with those. If you want to join us on the program, we hope that you will with your comments and your questions, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You know, so far uh, in the conversation, I think we've, you know, we've heard um, the term, you know, terms about addictions and illnesses, maybe more than we would have if we were having this conversation five or ten years ago when we were talking about a war on drugs and mm-hmm. incarceration. Linda, I want you to respond to that first. Yeah, no, I think that's part of, I mean, as we talk about being more hopeful, I mean, I think that's the thing that's really exciting. And just all of the players that are at the table, um, I know as uh, Judge Bonaventura, you know, talked about just even being here, you know, we know the number of children that are involved in in DCS, Um, you know, the vast majority have parents and family members that have a substance use issue. Um, uh, Just recognizing this um, and talking about this is just a huge um, issue. Uh, The fact that we're all, you know, at the same table really talking about working together is a huge issue um, as opposed to using terms like war, warring, recovery, um, you know, non-stigmatizing language. I mean, that's that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, you know, we really, I was talking earlier about decriminalizing um, and moving people back into the community. Um, you know, this, this idea, we just can't criminalize everyone. The consequences of that um, have been really grave. And that is part of that intergenerational poverty, too, mm-hmm. is many of these people um, don't have hope, they don't have homes, they don't have parents that are present because, you know, mom and or dad have, you know, been incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what they know. That's what their lives have been. So, you know, if we're really talking about changing the, the conversation, it is about, you know, making some sweeping reforms and having, you know, supports much earlier on, um, you know, from, from the beginning to um, things like 
like we had a at Centerstone, we had a Department of Labor grant uh, that ended last year, um, but it was for uh, people who were felony offenders um, and helping them get jobs. Um, and as you guys all know, that's one of the biggest barriers to people um, having economic security is if you have a felony and you're looking for a job, it's very challenging. Um, and we had over 400 people here in Bloomington that had a felony that you know we were able to get over almost 70% employment. Um, and that is no small task. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just any kind of job. It was a job with a credential. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, you can't really have housing. You can't have hope. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, you can't work. You support your family without that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the incarceration and, and um, drug issue connection. Is the task force talking about anything as sweeping as um, instead of arresting people, if they identify as having a, a drug issue, um, then s somehow using the money that would have gone to incarcerate them to in fact um, send them to treatment? I'll take yeah. a swing okay. at that. This is Mary Beth Bonaventura. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think that although it wasn't said quite how you said it, I think that, that everything is on the table. Uh, the governor has been clear about that, that uh, that all options are on the table uh, with this issue that's facing Indiana. Um, and so that I, I could see that uh, if we don't have as many arrests or incarcerations, and we all know how much that costs us, millions and millions of dollars, that certainly that money would be redirected um, toward treatment, which, you know, was a resounding uh plea over the last three days was that, you know, there is very, very little detoxification services. Uh, we need more long-term residential. When we heard from experts that it takes six months to a year to really, really get it where, you know, you have a really good chance of recovery. Uh, recovery coaches, you know, people to be with you over five years. If you can make it five years, we heard from someone up in Fort Wayne that, you know, someone who was a nine-year um, uh, without using drugs, she was, you know, free of using for nine years, that if you can make five years, that you're pretty much on your way to, you know, total recovery. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we don't really talk about that too much, which was exciting to me because, um, you know, to hear that, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about what we do. We know that jails are being used for detox. And then what do we do in the short term? We get them into a program for 30 days. And then we try to figure out, is there a halfway house? And maybe they can stay another 30 days there because we have this wait list. But then who's going to, you know, be there at 3 in the morning when they feel like using? And, and um, we just have to figure out how we do the recovery piece to make sure that all the hard work that goes in in the beginning by the person themselves, they're the ones going through it, um, that that work really is sustainable for life. And, um, and so I would um, tell you that I know that the governor would say that any money saved um, in not incarcerating people would be spent at helping them to stay sober. Are there any models from any other communities that the task force seems to like and, and be drawn to as potentially workable here in Indiana? Well, I'll, I'll speak up again. I think that we've seen um, several models over the last um, four, three days um, as it relates to prevention. Um, and I know that uh, there are many, many more models out there that we intend to look at over the next, you know, we don't, we don't have all the answers in Indianapolis here, at least not in my office, in central office. And uh, I know that the governor is, is encouraged by the fact that people are coming forward with their programs in, in 92 counties. And so I'm guessing how it will work is that as we go forward, that if there's a program that can be implemented quickly uh, because it can do certain things that uh, communities don't have, then I, I know that this is a working uh, task force that we will uh, as quickly as we can get things implemented and not have to wait until the very end, let's say, and get a report out in six months that mm -hmm. we intend to take really good programs that we can find and try to replicate them in other communities. Right. So we don't want to invent, reinvent the wheel um, at all. We want to take from um, people that know what the outcomes are so, so we can get good results quickly. You, you know, I think, the, I think the judge is correct. We, everything is on the table. I do believe that we did make a mistake in House Bill 1006 in the last couple of years where it's recodifying the criminal code, where we really have a soft spot in, in the uh, code in regards to big-time drug dealers. I'm not talking about those individuals who might be passing a pill back and forth or, or something like that. We're talking about cartels that are coming in Indiana mm -hmm. and really poisoning the cul-de-sac in, in our communities. and. Uh, and, and so that is something that is, that is on my mind, as well as 
uh, we passed the Narcan uh, legislation this last year that allows uh, that naloxone to be in homes and that you can go to the uh, doctor, get a prescription, go to the pharmacy and have something in your home that you can save a life uh, from an, uh, someone in your, in your neighborhood possibly that might overdose on heroin. Uh, I, I think we need to go forward and, and maybe knock down another barrier and so that we can uh, get Narcan uh, across the uh, across the desk like a across the counter like uh, cold medicine is. Uh, we, there are different things that we'll be looking at that uh, may be new and different, maybe old, tried and true. But uh, uh, I, I, I think the judge is exactly right. We we uh, we need to examine everything. All right. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. We're talking about the uh, new drug uh, task force that uh, Governor Mike Pence has established and the work that they're going to be doing over the next uh, several months. Um, if you want to join us on the program, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we are talking about, the, uh, go- about Governor Mike Pence's uh, new task force to try to look at all aspects of the substance abuse problems that are plaguing the state of Indiana. Uh, we have three guests on the program today. Linda Grove Paul, Vice President of Recovery and Innovation at Centerstone, is here in the studio with us. And joining us by phone are Judge Mary Beth Bonaventura, the Director of the Indiana Department of Child Services and a member of the new tra- Drug Task Force, and Senator Jim Merritt, who is also a member of the task force. You can join us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or one 285 outside of the local calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. And before I go to the phones, I do want to also mention that uh, Bloomington's police chief, Mike Dekoff is a member of the Governor's Task Force. But we have uh, callers lining up and a question by, from our live chat. So let's go first to Christy of Bloomington. Christy? Yeah, hi. I've heard about a group called Narcotics Anonymous. I assume it's a 12-step program similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just wondered if any of the guests knew more about that group and if they if they uh, know how widespread it is throughout the state and if if they do know about it, if that's considered as part of the referral for treatment for people with uh, substance uh, addiction problems, and I'll take the answer off the air. All right. Thank you. Linda, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, Narcotics Anonymous is part of the 12-step program, so it isn't a treatment uh, program, but it is uh, something that, you know, is widespread. Um, You know, you can probably find an NA meeting. There's certainly lots of NA meetings um, in Bloomington and in most communities. Some of the smaller communities, it might be a little bit harder to find. 
uh, but you usually can go to the website, um, the NA website, and uh, find somebody. Even if you can't find a meeting, you can find a resource in your community where you can talk to somebody um, about that. Um, and usually people are pretty amenable to attempting to start an NA uh, meeting in communities. Um, so, you know, they're they're definitely very welcoming. Um, and, you know, that's, that's an area where um, it, it used to be um, a lot of people in AA uh, were just strict alcoholics um, back in the day when I first started uh, working in addictions. Um, it was kind of alcoholics only. Um, but these days, most people are cross-addicted. There's very few people that are just alcoholics only. Um, so I'd say, you know, most uh, AA meetings you go to now, a lot of people have alcohol and mm-hmm. other drug addictions mm-hmm. too. So, um, you know, you will probably find if you, you're looking for um, a 12 step meeting that maybe to deal with a, a, a heroin or other um, issue, you could probably just get that need met at a, an AA meeting as well. Okay. We have a, I want to ask this question from our live chat. It uh, is, and maybe Senator Merritt and Judge Bonaventura could answer this. What happened to the Governor's Commission for a Drug-Free Indiana? Anybody have an answer to that? I. I, I don't have an answer for that. I'll be honest with you, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, are you talking about Governor Pence's? Uh, I think this pre. I think this was before Governor Pence, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I think that it is. Um, you know, I vaguely recall maybe somebody mentioning it to me, but I, you know, I I came in actually a little three mm-hmm. months after uh, Governor Pence started, so I'm I'm unaware of that at this time. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, Senator Merritt. Bob, Bob there are uh, plenty of uh, entities. There's a drug-free Marion County. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of different um, uh, organizations around the state that have the heart and soul of um, of fighting drug abuse and, and alcohol, really, as well. And uh, uh, it, the, it is is active, uh, uh, but... Um, there are so many different places in state government that, as you said earlier, the attorney general has his prescription pill, uh, bitter pill uh, operation. There are a lot of places in state government that we're, uh, we're trying to fight uh, the drug, drug abuse and drug epidemic we have in our state. And uh, as for uh, giving you an out-and-out report on what, what that entity is doing right now, I cannot do that. Okay, but so, I mean, the, the, commi- the new task force is really to try to get an overview and and sort of coalesce everybody in working on the same things. Well, correct? I think Mary Beth would agree with this, that we, we've got way too many silos, local, uh, state, and federal. And, uh, and, and I think the governor didn't say it in this kind of uh, way, but I believe that we need to break down those silos. For instance, if someone has an overdose of heroin and the EMT is called and, and they save that individual with uh, uh, with a um, um, just a, a um, splash, if you will, a, a dose of uh, of Narcan. I believe that at some point, very soon after they've brought that individual back, uh, there ought to be some healthcare worker that swings back uh, to to interview that individual and say there are recovery um, methods, there are recovery um, uh, situations that we can offer to you. Uh, and, and, and so that we're trying to get at this right at the nub. And uh, I, we don't have that right now. And I think that's something that we need to uh, work on. Uh, just, uh, yeah, a couple of comments. The, um, the drug-free funds, are that's through the Indiana Criminal Justice Institute. Um, and each county potentially has the local coordinating councils. Um, and I know, you know, in Monroe County, it's the CARES Board. And so I think, you know, as, as you guys talked about, there are um, various activities, I think, in each of the communities. They're all called different things. So, yep. um, uh, but I think, I think in many communities, those are all very alive and well, um, but the funding uh, is through the, um, the Criminal Justice Institute. Um, as far as that's concerned, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think in terms of thinking about you know what treatment resources need to be available, and I wanted to kind of double back to um, w- when uh, Mary Catherine was just talking about you know what are best practices. Um, you know we do know some best practices that are available. Um, you know I know that uh, uh, you know the judge was 
was was talking about recovery coaches. You know, that's something that Centerstone has has piloted and and done. Uh, we've had several grants um, where you know again I, I had testified in terms of outcomes for um, a, a couple of grants that we've had where you know we've shown the outcomes um, in terms of best practices, um, which are wraparound you know type models, low barrier meeting clients where they are. Um, you know, very much you know kind of harm reduction. How do we get to people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meeting their needs. Um, I think that's key. But also medication-assisted treatment um, is a, a best practice um, for, you know, particularly people um, that uh, have opiate addiction. Um, so things like uh, Vivitrol, uh, Suboxone. Um, and again, those are medications that usually aren't, um, shouldn't be prescribed in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. They are with other recovery supports. Um, and I know this is, these are all the kinds of things that you know the task force will be looking at and working on, um, but there are uh, best practices out there that are already um, being used. But accessing people immediately, um, and as um, as the senator was just talking about, you know, you need to be able to reach people. You know, if they get that that Narcan, somebody needs to go and they need to be able to meet with them, you know, right away and get them into treatment. And so then the last point I really wanted to make is addiction and mental health parity. Um, and that is a huge issue because, as uh, one of the two mentioned, was just you know residential treatment um, has pretty much gone to the wayside at this point. There are very few in terms of not only just detox but um, having uh, treatment options, um, and that is not necessarily the case for other chronic relapsing diseases. Um, and so, you know, finding that parity, we're supposed to by law have parity for mental health and addictions treatment, and so I think that's something that's another thing for the task force to to really be thinking about and looking at okay we have a phone call that uh, has come in from bruce in bloomington bruce hey yes i'd like to uh, talk about the root cause of this problem everything that's been said is i think very good however i think we've got a real hypocrite in the governor's office because mike pence is a big free trader and the problem is is that these rust belt communities i mean it first happened in the inner city and now it's happening in rural areas. I imagine Scott County is about as rust belt as they come. And uh, the thing that is, is hopelessness is a cause of addiction. And in the old days, uh, a person could go to work and get a job in a factory. And if it wasn't going to be better for them, they could look forward to it being better for their children. Mm-hmm. So they had hope and motivation. And today, with all these trade agreements, and the tax subsidies for sending jobs overseas, you're producing hopeless communities. Now, some people can resist drugs no matter what, but others can't. So I'd like to talk about the economic side of this whole thing. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Senator Merritt, I think that's one that you should probably address, so the, the, the hopeless issue and, and the economic prospects of people. Well, uh, <clears throat> obviously, uh, the, the man uh, strikes a, a real point. Austin, Indiana, is is a place that was uh, very, very um, uh, manufacturer oriented, very, uh, very um, uh, heavy with uh, employment a long time ago, and and lots of that has has slipped away. Lots of that, the, lots of lots of those jobs have slipped away, and. And uh, it, and there is an economic cost to this to every community. If uh, if, if people don't have hope, they they do turn to other to to other things such as uh, such, such as drugs. And we we need to get uh, busy and get treatment. There are only and, and judge correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, there are only 13 places in Indiana to go and get treatment or recover in recovery. And uh, that needs to change. We need to we need to provide uh, a future and, and hope for people in, in the way of uh, future employment and and also retraining. And this all goes together. And uh, I, I can't quibble with what the gentleman said, other than I, I think the governor governor's heart is in this. And uh, I do believe that he has seen uh, a great deal since he's been governor. That. Um, uh, pretty much provided the impetus and the juice to uh, get this task force going. Um, I, you know, I would agree with that, and I think further that I agree with this. The gentleman that just called to say that 
um, good paying job. Someone said yesterday at one of the roundtables, I think you were there, Senator Merritt, that mm -hmm. you know a good paying job is, is the number one way to keep somebody off drugs. Um, and um, and what little I know, because I'm on the social service end of uh, government, uh, but I can read the papers, and I know that um, unemployment in the state of Indiana, since Governor Pence has been there, has gone from 9% to 4.7%. The, the, the article was in the paper just a couple days ago. Um, so I think that Indiana is on the right track of getting people that feel hopeless and have been hopeless because they've been jobless back on the right track. And with this task force really uh, getting in there in the short term, because this is a short-term task force. You know, you mentioned the commission a little bit ago, and I, I must have had a brain freeze. I know exactly what you're talking about, because of those little red uh, those red ribbons that we used to hand out for, for you know, to stay drug-free, the, the campaign that they started years ago. Um, but that's a commission that's ongoing. That work is ongoing statutorily. This is a task force that is, is going to get in there and really do um, some heavy lifting to find out what um, what, the, what the counties need and what the people need to get their lives back together and adjust is one of those things that they would need. All right. Thanks a lot for your call, Bruce. All right. Our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, I wanted to go back to, to the three sort of um, legs of the stool, I mm -hmm. guess. We talked about prevention, treatment, and enforcement. And um, and just talk about each of those individually. And, you know, in your last three days or so of, of talking in roundtables, I mean, are there areas in the, you know, have you, have you, has anything emerged as something that really needs to be done in the prevention, treatment, or enforcement area? Let's start with prevention. Well, I, I can say this, that uh, in the last three years, I've spoken to over 40,000 kids in schools all around the state of Indiana about these issues. And, and, and uh, I think I need to speak to 100,000 more. We can't, speak, um, uh, we can't speak too much about these issues to our kids, uh, it, everything down to 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And... Uh, uh, it's kind of the Adderall generation where, where uh, kids uh, are familiar with um, taking a pill. And, and, and uh, uh, marijuana has spoken so much on, uh, on TV about Colorado and Washington, state Washington. The, the idea that uh, an individual gets hurt playing football and has a bad back and pain management is something they need to uh, experience. So... Uh, we uh, the awareness is something that uh, we have to continually work on, along with, as um, someone talked about with Vivitrol, and uh, in company uh, um, recovery methods and therapy. Uh, I, I just think it's um, it, you have to get back to the basics. And and I know uh, Chief Justice, uh, the Supreme Court in Indiana, is going to have all the drug court judges in this fall to talk about. Uh, about uh, drug abuse and what's going on out there about Vivitrol and things like that. The prosecutors uh, in Hamlin County, um, uh, Mark Bowen, the sheriff, is talking with the Pro Hamlin County prosecutor about in-treatment in his jail, uh, treatment and recovery. So um, it, it, it comes all the way from the locals all the way uh, to state, and, it's, and, and we're all in this together. Yeah, you know, one of the stats that, that we know is people who abuse prescription drugs are 19 times more likely to use heroin. Um, so, you know, I think that in terms of, you know, just thinking about prevention, you know, really is, you know, on particularly on the opiates is the ease of access to, to opiates um, just generally. And that's been, you know, one thing that we've certainly been working on. But I think, um, you know, continuing to, to work in our, our medical schools, you know, really educating people, educating families, access. Um, just AARP had done a study in terms of the number of uh, individuals 65 years old and older, um, I think almost 30% had received a prescription for Oxycontin. Um, that's a huge amount. And again, a lot of people just don't have the education about that, but just having that sitting in your, your um, medicine cabinet is really dangerous. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of education and not just in the schools, but just in our, our general public and, you know, the, the medical schools. Mm -hmm. 
we heard on Tuesday um, at the first, uh, when the governor announced the task force, um, some of the folks at Eskenazi Hospital were talking about the fact that um, their efforts have yielded um, results in, in the sense that um, they have reduced the number of prescriptions for opiates to people mm -hmm. that, so to, to stop this problem, the prevention piece, at least as it relates to opiates, is to just not to prescribe it, exactly. to prescribe something else. And they've reduced the prescriptions by 50% um, in just a short time of their practices, and which is just awesome, I think. Well, and if we can get others on board with that, I think it would make a huge difference in the lives of the people that find themselves with this addiction. We talked to, or made reference a few minutes ago to the legalization of marijuana in other states. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, of course that's being uh, discussed by various people in the state of Indiana. Is the task force going to make any take a stand or make any kind of a recommendation uh, regarding the legalization of marijuana in the state of Indiana? Well, I'm going I'm to start out by saying that I, you know, I, I can't, I, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen at the end, but and Governor Pence has been clear that, you know, we've talked about legislation that maybe, you know, when all is said and done in January, there would be some legislative recommendations. But um, what we did here, at least up in Lake County, was that, you know, the kids in Gary are shooting each other over marijuana. Now, we might sit here and think, oh, my gosh, we thought it was crack or heroin or whatever, but because of the legalization and really, you know, people, famous people getting on television and talking about getting high before they have to go to different events uh, and, you know, making light of it because of the legalization of it, kids sit there and watch TV and say, you know, well, that person's a millionaire, you know, and their life is great, so and, and it's legal. So how could this be wrong? So now they're fighting over turf of who's going to be able to sell it in their areas. So the legalization of marijuana has had effects on other states that don't have it legalized um, to the extent that people are thinking, people probably like us, you know, that are educated and that are older and, and know better but aren't doing better and are smoking it for the first time probably. And it's just, it's really had terrible effects um, for people and, uh, and children and people that are getting killed over marijuana now. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know what the, what the task force may Maybe Senator Mary could answer to whether or not he thinks there'll be legislation, um, or um, you know what he thinks the future of any um, efforts to legalize it here in Indiana are. What do you think, Senator? I I uh, the the governor was clear he was it wasn't going to uh, uh, predict what the outcomes are. Uh, however, uh, I can't see myself voting to support the legalization of marijuana. Now, if someone wants to talk about the uh, the medical end of it, the municipal end of it, that's that's one thing. But uh, I can't I can't see this this uh, this commission uh, going that way. I think we'll probably be more honed in on on the heroin issue and and recovery and and providing hope to those that are struggling by it. I think that's probably uh, as we've talked about the three legged stool. Uh, mm -hmm. I I think I think it probably will be. More centered on um, uh, probably prescription uh, drug abuse, uh, the heroin outbreak, and, uh, and and issues such as that. But it's going to be comprehensive on those issues. I, I think the other issue, as far as um, you know, thinking about kind of the prevention to me is a workforce issue. I mean, I know that you know we were really talking about you know the number of people that we need to kind of address. All of these these issues is you know I mean w we really need more workers um, in the field um, and you know I don't know if uh, Department of Child Services is running into that but you know it's it's a huge mm -hmm. it's a huge issue for us. Well, I, Senator Merritt, I, we have about four minutes to go in the program and I, I don't want to let this um, show pass without mentioning the Lifeline Law and mm -hmm. I mentioned oh, it you. and I mentioned <laughs> and I mentioned it. In, in a sense that, that some of it is, is reminds me, the Lifeline Law reminds me a little bit of, of a change in attitude that we're seeing with focus being on, well, let's, let's try to keep people from, being, from dying, you know? Let's try to keep people from being hurt and harmed by these drugs. Bob, you're yeah. exactly right. We're, we're now acknowledging that people make mistakes and that people um, are, are struggling. And maybe breaking a law, um, maybe not. But uh, I've not heard one person who was um, who was saved through Narcan um, and an overdose who had, who was arrested. I've not heard that yet. And so uh, you're, you're right. What, what the Lifeline Law it really designated is that uh, instead of just alcohol, 
The second rendition of it was someone in need of medical attention mm-hmm. at, a, at a social event and, and calling 911 immediately. And that's one of the things that we've talked about is with with these overdoses, people need to call 911 right away. And if they have a dose of Narcan, to apply it. It's just sprayed in the nose. And, and um, more than likely, that person's going to wake back up. Uh, so, Bob, I appreciate you allowing me that mm-hmm. because uh, um, Indiana University and many universities around the around the uh, around the state have um, actually had uh, d- a discussion about this uh, the Lifeline law in their freshman orientations. So they're starting to get with it. Senator, I had uh, dinner last night with my son, who's a freshman here at IU, and I asked him if he was aware of the Lifeline law, and he said, "Oh yes, we've talked about that a lot. We've had Hooray. so they're out there doing a nice job of getting the word out on that." That's great to hear. All right, so in our last two minutes, I want to give each of you about thirty seconds, please, to talk about you know what what you're again. I think I asked this at the beginning, but you know what do you hope will come out of this, and and will there? I guess I should ask specifically: Will there be a, a set of recommendations? So let's start with start with Senator uh, Merritt. There will be there will be a set of recommendations, Bob, and uh, one and and one of them hopefully will be uh, no more barriers, uh, as few barriers to Narcan as possible, but uh, also uh, the idea of insurance uh, covering um, the treatment and recovery. Mm-hmm. We've got to dig deep into that, and uh, HIP 2.0 does cover it, but but uh, I, I think it, it also just the basis of um, of uh, searching Indiana for for um, uh, solutions, as well as letting people know that we're very well aware of this problem. And uh, as I say a lot, it's it's an illness, not a character flaw. Mm-hmm. And the more we can tell people that we accept them and that we're willing to help them, I think the better off we're going to be. All right, Judge, thirty seconds. Okay, um, I think it's clear from the beginning that the governor does want recommendations, and this task force will give recommendations that can be uh, hopefully both implemented, you know, immediately through administrative action from the, through the governor's office, and then next year through the legislature. And I think you heard Senator Merritt saying he's committed to helping see that through, and uh, we're just all very excited for the opportunity to do this. All right, thank you, and Linda, thirty seconds. I, I think just you know to echo what's already been said is just you know this pandemic um, uh, that has been ongoing for so long is just recognizing that this is a whole health problem. Problem that needs to be addressed in a whole health, whole community kind of way, which seems like it's the approach, is just making treatment as accessible as possible, meeting people where they are, harm reduction, wrap around, decreasing the, the stigma as much as we can so that the whole community is talking about it and getting this important information that you're getting out today out to as many people as possible. Okay. Thank you very much to Linda Grove Paul, uh, Judge Mary Beth Bonaventura, and Senator Jim Merritt, for producer Drew Dodlin, engineer Mike Pashkash, and my co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life, publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, fiber internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.